It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Good morning and welcome along to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. I'm your host Frankie Mackay and today is a great day because it is the first game of the season for women's domestic cricket. Now I just need the weather to play ball. So no surprises that I've got cricket on the mind but the next hour I'll be talking all things sport with a red and black slant wherever we can. Of course the biggest news of the week was the Black Ferns winning the Rugby World Cup final at Eden Park. What a phenomenal game that was. But of course there's another women's uh, rugby final coming up But it is rugby league this time Kiwi Ferns take on the dominant Jillaroos 2.15am Sunday morning To preview and review that uh, We will catch up with a legend of the Oval Ball Games Honey Hirami Smiler That'll be about 7.30 this morning Because I'm superstitious I will stick with how can the Kiwi Ferns win the World Cup for Frankie's Five. We'll have the Malray Electric Panel where Mike Thorpe and Brendan Telford join me to talk all the sporting questions of the week. And because, of course, the Canterbury Magician season gets underway today, we're going to start the show off with our first chat of the day, getting the inside word out of the Magician's Camp. Joining me this morning is someone I spend a heap of time with, and I am quite possibly the reason he has a sore shoulder for most of the year. Canterbury Magicians head coach, Rhys Morgan. Morning, coach. How are the nerves, and how are you feeling ahead of the first game of the season? Um, I'm feeling pretty good, apart from the shoulder. Um, but, uh, no, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a long winter, um, and uh, in a winter where there's been a lot of um, improvements made, and I'm sure we're no different to all the other sides, and that we're all pretty excited about getting out on the park and, and showing improvements have been made. Yeah, absolutely. Starting off against Wellington as well, who probably, fair to say, have been the dominant domestic women's team in recent years. What are you expecting from them this weekend? Um, well, they'll be pretty well organised. Um, they, they're a pretty slick operation. Um, I know that they're, they're missing a few of their, their more experienced players over in the Big Bash, but um, they're well used to that now. That's, that's been part of... Uh, Part of their success, I suppose, over the last few years, and having so many white ferns, is that they've had ample opportunity to give um, to or to give opportunities to, to their next next lot of players. So um, they'll be competitive, and um, and I'm sure they'll uh, they'll it'll be a pretty good game out in Rangiora. Yeah, no doubt. And and look, uh, even though they are missing some some stars, they're still a pretty handy side. So magicians will need to hit the ground running. How's the prep been leading into this weekend? What's the team been up to? Um, well, we've had a couple of really good sessions out on uh, in Rangiora on the, in the grass nets there. The ground staff have looked after us really, really well. Um, so it's it's been nice just to be able to get out on the ground, um, get used to the conditions there. And, and as I mentioned earlier, we've we've put a lot of work in on the indoor nets, and it's just nice to be outside and um, and knowing that the season's not too far away, and that you could, you've got an opportunity to go out and show those skills. And we expect a lot of spin from Wellington. That's that's generally the way they go about things. Possibly up to forty overs of it. How how do Canterbury? How do the magicians have to counteract that? Well, it's it's been a little bit of a shift in the last couple of weeks of, of um, focusing a little bit more on that, and that um, 
Uh, it's been great for my shoulder actually because uh, I had to throw a lot more off spinners than, than with the uh, with the stick. So um, certainly there has been a focus on that and just mainly around how we're going to look to continue to keep ticking the scoreboard over um, in between the bad balls. Um, so yeah, it's it's more just a, it's not doesn't change things too much for us, but just as you get a little bit closer to the games, you look to um, maybe tailor your, your training a little bit more towards the opposition you're going to face. Yeah, I'm pretty chuffed about this one. The Magicians probably picked up transfer of the off-season and Kate Anderson finally seeing the light and making the move from Hamilton to Christchurch to don the red and black. What can you tell the listeners about Kate and her time down in Christchurch so far? Well, she, she works really hard. Um, she's really, um, she, she loves training, um, and she actually quite uh, she enjoys uh, being challenged around her thinking around the game as well. Um, I'm like you, Frankie. I'm pretty excited about what Kate um, could produce this year. I think we've um, we've played against her for a while now, and, um, and I'm sure everyone who's seen her can see that all the talent that she possesses. She's a very very powerful striker of the ball, um, superb fielder, and and probably an underused spinner in the in the um, in the past. I think as well. But what we've um, what we've been trying to get her to do is probably apply just a little bit more thinking to, to her game, uh, which she's more than capable of doing. And, and I think she's enjoying um, that aspect and seeing some of the improvements she's made in terms of her option taking. So I've, um, you don't want to put the, the mockers on people before the season starts, but she's certainly someone that yeah, I'm very excited about what she may be able to produce for us this year. Yeah, and any other players to watch out for this season? Is there anyone that's that's really impressed you, or are there some some youngsters that could make their mark maybe at the back end of the season? Yeah, well, we've got two, probably two of the better um, better younger batters in the country um, that I'm hoping that all uh, will will be able to give plenty of opportunities this year. And, and Abigail Gherkin and, and um, Izzy Sharp, um, Abigail will we, we'll obviously miss for the first three games because she's on the development tour over to India, and that'll be a fantastic opportunity for her to to grow her game. Um, uh, and, uh, and and bring some skills back to our environment um, that she can uh, look to push. Um, she can look to push her game forward through. Um, and Izzy Sharp, she's just finishing school uh, this year, um, and she's certainly been someone who's impressed a lot of people at various camps over the winter. Um, very very hard ball striker. Um, uh, not just I was going to say for someone that age, but she's just a genuinely hard ball striker. She'd be one of the she hit the ball harder than most in the country, I think. Um, and for her, it's going to be about getting her as many games as possible and, and getting as many learning opportunities as possible so she can learn more about the game and how she's going to be successful. Yeah, you mentioned young Abby Gherkin, the only Cantab named in that New Zealand development 11, uh, heading over to India. Maybe yeah, a touch disappointing with your coach's hat on to not have had a couple more sneak into that team? Yeah, I, I, it would have been really, really nice. Um, we can we can probably sit here and... and Past judgment on selections, but that's not going to get us anywhere. We just need to probably take the message that we need to do a better job of developing some younger players here. So that's uh, that's going to be a real focus for me this season, is making sure that our young players are getting getting opportunity to develop their games, um, and that whether that be through matches for the magicians or through our development eleven games as well. Um, but it'll certainly be a great opportunity for Abby, and, and it would have been. Fantastic if we could have got one or two more into that uh, into that squad, but it's certainly something that you know if it, if it was to happen again, it's got to be a an organisational goal that we look to have more people involved in those selections going forward. 
Yeah, and it is. I mean, it's just good to see a touring side named that's that's not the White Ferns to be able to provide those experiences. There's an under nineteen World Cup coming up at the the start of next year. I believe that's January. How how important are these experiences to being able to to grow the standard of cricket here in New Zealand, especially now that there is a little bit of money coming in for players as well? Yeah, look, look it's um, it, it's probably the most important thing facing um, women's cricket in New Zealand. Really, is is how can we get more more playing opportunities, and that's not just at, um, at um, first-class domestic level or white ferns level, but certainly um, underneath. If I look at you know someone like Anizhi Sharp, who's one of our our better under-19 players, um, and and compare her against someone of her um, in the in the Canary under-19 male side, um, she's um, I'm going to conservatively guess that she would have played a couple of hundred games of cricket less than. Than her male counterpart, and it's, mm. it certainly does slow the development. Just not having those playing opportunities. So, the fact that New Zealand cricket are investing now and, and sending sides away overseas um, at a level below white ferns is something that um, that is is long overdue, and, and I certainly applaud them for, for doing it now. Um, and from a Canterbury point of view, as I mentioned before, we've got to get as many players involved in those in those opportunities as possible. And, and where we can't, we've got to provide them. Ourselves. And even if it's not overseas, even if it's just playing more games, um, uh, it'll it'll show some huge benefit for the future. Having um, having our girls having played more cricket. Yeah, it is a it's a great time for women's women's sport at the moment. I think a, a real groundswell of support. If you had to describe the magician's style of play for people who are going to be coming along, hopefully this weekend, but throughout the season, what are people going to be expecting to see? Well, we're looking we're looking for something special, really. Um, we're, we're wanting to make sure that um, this this momentum around women's sport, but women's cricket in particular, um, that we're taking forward. So we, we want to make sure that we're playing an exciting brand of cricket and a brand of cricket that any young girls or even young boys coming along to watch um, aspire to be able to play. Um, and uh, that's that's the way that we're going to get more people playing the game. And it's the way that we're going to get more people watching us as well is by playing a brand of cricket that people want to watch um, so that's that's been a big focus for um, a lot of players over the winter is, is working on their power hitting and working on their, their catching and throwing and, and diving spent a lot of time at uh, Olympia gymnastics sports um, diving into foam mats and and what have you to, to make sure that we can put on a little bit more of a spectacle yeah, it all sounds good to me. The main thing is let's hope this weather stays away for the weekend. And the magicians, look, we can get our campaign started with two wins. Thanks for your time this morning, but I better let you go and get that shoulder warm-up uh, done for some throwdowns before the game today. Excellent. I'll see you out there soon. That was Canterbury head coach Rhys Morgan ahead of the Magicians. Opening weekend of the Halliburton Johnson Shield competition. Not long to go now. Time for a quick break here and then it is time for what's on around the grounds in Canterbury. What's going on in Canterbury? Well, Sunday morning, 10am, the colour fun run will be weaving its way through the red zone. Wear a white or black t-shirt, get covered with colour. Check out their website as to how to purchase the colour packs to just throw everywhere. Club cricket will be dotted around the city, of course. Two-day matches for the men's competition. Well, there's a couple that are in the balance. Sydenham hosting Rickerton and East Shirley at home against Lancaster Park. The 18 runs ahead, nine down in the first innings. Places to be for club softball today, Norman Kirk Park, 1pm, 3pm. The Kaiapoi Kings have got the double here today, taking on Papanui and PCU. Two very tough games for them. And in the women's competition, get along to Dynasty Ballpark from 1pm to catch all the Premier teams in action. 
If you find yourself in Tamuka for the weekend, well, the Tamuka Tussle is on. That is a disc golf competition. It's on at the Tamuka Domain, so if that piques your interest, head on down. And if you're near Geraldine this week, keep an eye out for the South Island Rag Rally. This is the rally for all motorcycle enthusiasts. It runs Friday night all the way through to Sunday. And of course, come and support me and the Canterbury Magicians taking on the Wellington Blaze Saturday and Sunday at Rangiora's Main Power Oval. It's time for Frankie's Five. Yeah, that's right. It's that time of the show. Once again, Frankie's Five, brought to you by South Island Forklifts for all your forklift needs. Well, last week it was five reasons why the Black Ferns can win the World Cup, and now I hope I can work my magic for the Kiwi Ferns too. So five reasons the Kiwi Ferns can win the Cup. Well, number one, we've got the best player in the world right now, Racine McGregor. Just this season, the Roosters star has won NRLW Premiership, the 2022 Kari Player of the Year, Rugby League Players Association Players Champ, the Dallier Medal and the Golden Boot. She's a weapon and could end up a World Cup winner too. Number two, first time all tournament. The Kiwi Ferns have had a five-day turnaround between matches. There's a few niggles in the Aussie camp meanwhile, but our Kiwi Ferns look strong and ready to go. Number three, Aussie haven't lost in six years, and in this World Cup, the Kiwi Ferns are the only team to score a point against them. When some pressure went on and pool play, the cracks started to show. So Kiwi Ferns to get off to a quick start, and then we could see the wheels fall off for the Jillaroos. Number four, our forwards are an absolute weapon. They should be better than the Aussies up in the centre. Hale and Hall, I think, will be key to smashing holes in that Aussie defence. And the middle dominated the semi-final. No reason that can't happen again in finals time. And number five for me, it's cohesion. Yes, we've got some talented individual players who can produce some moments of brilliance, and we have seen that that flair can win you a World Cup. But this team seems to be all on the same page, all on the shoulder at the right time, and just loving their footy. And that's where I think we have it over the Jillaroos. So those are my thoughts. Anyway, we will take a quick break here, and when we come back, we will have the expert analysis of Honey Hirami Smiler. This week's Canterbury Rugby update brought to you by Kevla Holmes, proud partner of Canterbury Rugby. It's an absolute cracker today. The Black Ferns winning a sixth World Cup. Tomorrow morning, Kiwi Ferns have got a chance to win their fourth. Joining me today, an absolute legend of both codes, Honey Hirami Smiler. Honey, welcome and, and thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, no worries. Happy to be here. Now, let's talk Black Ferns to start off. How good was that final? A packed Eden Park cheering the Ferns on to a win. Yeah, it still seems pretty surreal, right? It's like, uh, what has it been, four or five days? And, yeah, still, I feel just on a high for the girls, just so proud, you know. I think it's just the, the I suppose, impact that that one game is going to have, you know, on the on the rest of, I suppose, the future of women's rugby is going to be so significant. And specifically here in New Zealand, it's, it's just been amazing just to see, I suppose, the growth of the game and, and um, you know, that game just being, I suppose, the... Uh, the, the pinnacle of it, I suppose. Yeah, well, I think I think everyone's become a bandwagon Black Ferns fan now. But as a former player, how did you feel witnessing what the the Black Ferns achieved, and and how important is that going to be for the Black Ferns, but also just for for women's sport here in New Zealand? Yeah, I think um, you know initially, I think you know the, the night of when that when they won, I initially felt fairly you know overwhelmed. But as the yeah. days just gone on, and, you know, just just so proud, you know, like they talk about the legacy and. So proud to be a small part of that legacy, but more importantly, just proud of the girls that went out there and, you know, through everything that they had to go through, um, you know, to get to that that final whistle, 
I, I just think it's impressive. And, and the, the impact on women's rugby, you know, like these girls, you know, they, these women, sorry, 32 of them are all household names now, you know, and, and I just love the way they went about it, a real team effort, um, and just the way they carried themselves. It's going to make women's rugby the first choice sport or option for so many, you know, young Kiwi girls, Kiwi boys, and that's probably the other thing is actually the influence that it's had on the young boys too. Like they, they yeah. love the Ruby Tuis, they love the, the Porsches and the Sierras and the Stacys and you know, and, and they're talking about it as well. And, and that's probably, you know, where, where you'll see that real societal changes. And oh, no, I'm excited about that. Yeah, now let's look to the the Kiwi Ferns now. They've got a World Cup final Sunday morning. They haven't quite had the same media coverage with their World Cup. I think it doesn't help being over in the UK, the time difference. But how do you see their form leading into their final? Yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, obviously being over in England and the time differences and the like, um, you know, the, the I suppose the, the fanfare hasn't been as big. But, you know, rugby league always tends to come second to rugby here in New mm. Zealand anyway. But, I mean... Look, the Kiwi Ferns uh, have come, have a similar journey, similar story. You know, they they've had limited international games leading through to this. Um, you know, they had one international against Tonga before hitting the World Cup. But you know, just seeing them grow and develop. You know, Coach Ricky Henry he took took a chance. You know, he he um, selected a fairly uh, young squad and and you know a few debutants. You know, and, and not often you get debutants in a World Cup year. But um, they've just come together so well. They've got they've gotten stronger and built their combinations each game and just keep getting better. And, and I'm excited for them. And I, I genuinely believe 100% that they will win this Rugby League World Cup. Yeah, look, as you mentioned, that there's a reasonably young squad. There's a good mix there. There's some debutants thrown in, which I agree you don't see too much of. And I just look at them and, and such an inspiring group of, of women, so many stories, different lives being lived. You've got mums and bubs there, students. You've got professional footy players in there. Is that mix what makes this team so good and so strong together? Yeah, I think so. And, and definitely the culture that they've created. You know, they've got some great experience in there with uh, Crystal Rutta, their captain, and, and the likes of Georgia Hale. Um, and, and then you, you look across some of the new, and up in Nicole, sorry, you know, really experienced footy players, been, been in and out of Kiwi Friends for a number of years now. And they've really set the standard here in New Zealand. But also, you know, the influence of the NRLW and those players coming from, you know, who are based in Australia, but Kiwi. You know they've come into the team and and really just embraced the culture um, within that within that uh, within New Zealand Rugby League and you know they they talk about that you know the World Cup waka all being in the same waka paddling in the same direction and that's exactly what you're seeing and how they play and they they've got you know the likes of Racine McGregor you know she's been what the Dalian Player of the Year Golden Boot Player of the Year you know best best female player in in the world right now and she's really leading them around and her her um, football smarts is, is just next to none. She, she's unreal talented, but she's sharing that knowledge. And she, you know, the, I think she's one of the best players because she makes the other players around her look good. And then the influence of, like, you know, young uh, Mele Husanga, who's come into the team, she's one of the debutants. She's an ex Blackburn. And she's just causing havoc out in the centres there. You know, no one can really handle her. They don't know what to do with her. You know, they just doing what they can, but also, you know, across the forward pack, and that's probably where I've been most impressed is, you know, rugby league is a game where you've got to win the middle, and, and, our, and our front rowers, you know, um, they're doing the work in the likes of Amber, Paris Hall, and um, Neta, Claudia, Nuusala. I mean, they, they're just setting that platform, that foundation, so that, you know, the likes of racing and, and some of our backs can just express themselves. And so you're seeing all that, that talent 
um, just come through in the way that they're playing. And uh, for me, they've got this real confidence about them, and they need that going into the Jillaroos because you know we haven't been in the Jillaroos since well since the Nines World Cup in I think 2019. So yeah, I, I just can't wait for Sunday to see them get out there and and get you know rip into this game. And, and you mentioned Racine McGregor in there. I think she's legitimately got claims to say that she's the best player in, in rugby league right now. What is it that just makes her so special? Because it's not that long ago she was probably felt like she was at a bit of a crossroads thinking, where's my career going? Am I going to get to play? And now you're sitting here going, mate, you're the best player in the world. So what, what is it that just makes her so good? Oh, look, I just think it's her professionalism and, and her, her willingness to go you know, and, and work on her game constantly. She's she's the open book. She's always wanting to learn and get better. And when she nails something, she's always looking for those holes in her game that she can improve on. And and that's what I like about it. I think, you know, when she debuted, uh, she was in my half goals, the centre, and she's just open to learning from anyone and everyone. And then just going away and working on those little one percenters, you know. She's, she's quiet in nature. You know, she's not very outspoken, but she leads in her actions and what she does. And and that's just, you know, she's quite an astute player. She wants to, she wants to really dig into the detail and play, pay real attention to her skill set and how she can, you know, how she can impact the game and influence the, the greater team, uh, I suppose, game plan. So I think that's what makes her such an exceptional player. Yeah, I think she's she's incredible. And to be fair, I, I think the Black um, the Kiwi Ferns, sorry, have been playing some exceptional footy. I thought they were pretty good against Australia in pool play. Not perhaps quite as polished as they would have liked against England. What have they got to tidy up on? What have they got to do to hand Aussie? What will be their first loss, I believe, in six years? Yeah, look, I think finals footy is all about, you know, just, just um, nailing, nailing the small things. They've got to complete their sets and get to their kick and just, just continue to, to, you know, really... In all, in all honesty, just hammer Aussie through the middle because they won't be able to keep up, you know, with the power and the, and the size of it, of our uh, pack. And if they can keep doing that and sticking to their uh, their processes, I think they'll they'll end up battering the the Jillaroos down and just tidy up a few of their discipline and, and some of the errors. And I think they'll it's going to be a tough one. I think it'll go right down to the last minutes and hopefully it's not as such a nail-biter as uh, the Black Ferns game was, but yeah, I think it's going to be a tight game, and if they can shut down some of Australians' threats, you know, they've got pretty couple of pretty good centres and a full-back out there, shut down their main half, then, um, yeah, I think the player for player, they've definitely got it in the bag. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. And, and do you think as well, post this World Cup, that there's a chance we're going to get a Warriors team going again in, in this post-COVID, I guess, world, is is it now the time we need a Warriors side in the NRLW and we need these women playing just as much code as they can together? Yeah, look, it's well overdue, you know. You know it's, it's a shame that the Warriors haven't had a team the last couple of years, but there is, you know, uh, things in, in process that they have the Warriors back, hopefully 2024, because we absolutely need that pathways. I mean, most of our girls... You know, are going offshore and, and doing the NRL season with it's you know three or four months away from home to be involved in that just to get that footy experience. But you know, there's some really good pathways here through the under 18s. They've got the secondary schools rugby. They've got the Māori tournaments happening, and you know, the, I think at the last Māori tournament they had over 700 uh, young young girls playing at that. So there's there's definitely a hunger here for for women's rugby league. But, yeah, we definitely need that NRL pathway just to shore up and keep our talent here. Yeah, absolutely. And last question, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Game prediction, what are we expecting? Where do you see the result going? 
yeah, look, I hope we get a few tries out on the fringes and the likes, you know, coming from the, the melee whangas and autumn rain. Uh, Daily Stevens, I'm sure that, that that fringe there will bag a couple of tries off, a couple of racing kicks. But yeah, I, I'm I'm banking on the 24-20 win to uh, to to the Kiwi Fern. Oh, I like it. That is what I like to hear indeed. Well, I can't wait to see the Kiwi Ferns go at it. And look, it's going to be so brilliant to have both rugby and rugby league World Cups locked away here in New Zealand. Honey, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I hope those predictions are spot on. Oh, great talking with you. Well, that was Honey Hidemi Smiler reviewing the Black Ferns, previewing the Kiwi Ferns ahead of their final Sunday morning. And that was your Canterbury Rugby update brought to you by Kevlar Homes, helping build the future of Canterbury Rugby. Kevlar Homes, proud partner of Canterbury Rugby. Well, it's time for the panel, proudly sponsored by Malray Electric, putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby. Today, I'm joined by two fabulous guests, Mike Thorpe and Brendan Telfer. Gents, thanks for joining me and, and welcome to the show. Uh, Frank, hi, Frankie. Frankie. Nice to talk to you again. Now, Mike, I'll, I'll start with you. You're down in Gore. What are you? What are you up to at the moment? I'm. I'm so pleased you asked. We're at the uh, National Snooker Championships uh, in Gore, which is always brilliantly well received down here. We're into quarterfinal action today. The semis and the finals tomorrow. Ah, oh, wonderful. Like to hear it. Have you got a who's who's your money on? Money is always on Mark Canavan. He starts most of these tournaments as favourite, but followed very closely by Gore's hometown boy, Shannon Swain. They're both on the same side of the draw, so only one of them can make the final, but uh, that'd be my pick. Excellent. I'd like to hear it. Now, Brendan, I'll go to you now. I want to talk that Black Ferns win. Does that go down as achievement of the year? Uh, Probably it does, um, off the top of my head. Um, I haven't sort of put it in the calendar perspective um, but yeah I would think uh, it's a non-Olympic Games year uh, I don't think we're going to win the football um, mm. the All Blacks have had a bit of an up and down kind of year yeah I mean it was a pheno- it, regardless of it it was just a phenomenal success I don't think any of us really felt it would be as successful as it was and it's created uh, I think now the situation for world rugby that they've got this elephant in the room uh, women's rugby what are they going to do with it this is a godsend for for rugby Um, and those television ratings were just phenomenal I mean having worked in television for 40 years I know a thing or two about ratings when I see them and I'm pretty sure that uh, in the history of TV3 which started broadcasting back in 1990 from memory. They've never had any program of any significance uh, or lack of significance, I suppose. It's pulled an audience uh, the size of the one that watched that uh, women's final last uh, Saturday night, 1.2 million, I think it was. In fact, uh, not even TV1, which traditionally dominates the ratings. I don't think, uh, if you go back to the men's rugby World Cup final, in uh, Auckland at Eden Park, of course, in 2011. Uh, I stand to be corrected, but I don't think it pulled a, t- a combined television audience as big as the one that watched the women the other day. So um, this is an amazing thing, but the big question now is what happens next? I mean, where do we go with women's rugby now? I mean, personally, I would love to see something like a, a British Lions tour here next year, which has been mooted. Uh, the best women from England, Ireland, Scotland and Northern Ireland and Wales come to New Zealand and play a three or a four match test series. I think they've got to come up with something 
uh, of that nature, something really big, even if it's just the England team, who, of course, have dominated world rugby for the last uh, four or five years, if they were to come back to New Zealand next year for a, a three-match test series, that would, uh, I, I think, rate itself off as well. So there's plenty of really exciting possibilities here all of a sudden now. Yeah, absolutely. And and Mike, how, how do you see it? That there's there's definitely more women's sport, women's sport coverage going on at the moment. It's on the rise. I'm probably slightly biased, and I think uh, it's it's about time. And it's been refreshing to see. But is this a big moment, not just for for rugby in New Zealand, but but women's sport on the whole? It absolutely is. And you are uh, quite within your rights to be biased, Frankie, because you've been pushing that. Um uh, gallantly for, for so long. Uh, two things, Brendan's absolutely right when it comes to those numbers. The numbers TV-wise were sort of breaking news type numbers that the TV stations would get now. So that's how big it was. But for me, I saw the success of that tournament uh, right in my lounge room. So through the, the, the tournament as it went on, my wife, who would not sit down and watch an all-black test without a phone in front of her, so she had something else to do, not only knew every single one of our players by their first name, but by the final, she was screaming at the referee that you know they were lying in the ruck. So she absolutely embraced the game. And what we've got now is a brand-new demographic. Um, at a time, as Brendan says, when rugby is starting to... to you know, suffer a bit of a downturn. Women are becoming more interested in that sport. And as a flow-on, the public are becoming more interested in women's sport um, to the point now that I think the um, the Women's Rugby League team over in, in the UK coming into the, mm-hmm. the final this weekend are about to uh, ride that same wave. I hope that the expectation isn't too much for them, um, but their, their popularity, I'm sure, will also soar. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping it flows on to, to all the sports. And of course, uh, Women's Football World Cup in New Zealand started next year. Hopefully they just continue to, to ride the wave. But there's there's not just women's sport going on. Of course, there is men's sport going on. There is World Rugby Award nominations going on at the moment. And of course, look, we're, I think we're a pretty good chance to nab a few of the women's awards, but no All Blacks nominated. Is this a big snub, Mike? Or uh, are all us Kiwis just being a little bit biased that we expect someone in a black jersey to be there? I think it's a bit of that, but it's always really the team that is leading World Rugby that tends to get the most nominations, right? The one thing that I would say is that None of those players that have been nominated can dominate a game like Adi Savia can. In a team that is going backwards or in a forward pack that is struggling, he is always a shining light. So we look at that, obviously, with uh, with one black eye patch on. But I, mm-hmm. I do think it, it is a bit of a snub. But, you know, th- these things tend to be political, these nominations. So I get it. Yeah, Brendan, how, how do you see it? Uh, should Adi Savia have been the one nominated? I mean, arguably playing yeah. his, his best rugby. Probably he should have been. I don't think it was a snub. I mean, um, that infers there's a little clique of about half a dozen people sitting in some uh, dark office in, uh, the, in Dubai or, or Ireland, wherever the world rugby space these days, um, and decided that they've had a gutsful of New Zealand rugby. Um, we'll take it out of them by snubbing them uh, when it comes to these awards. No, I think it's a group of about 30 or 40 broadcasters and journalists from around the world and, and other people involved, and they do their voting, I suppose, rather along, along the lines of the Helberg Awards in New Zealand, where there is a group of about 30 people, which includes uh, media people as well as ex-internationals and ex-Olympians. And by having a large circle of judges, you kind of prevent any of this sort of kind of um, strategic voting or, or, you know, 
snubbing of certain people. Uh, so, no, I think it's just a bit unfortunate that Xavier didn't get a nomination. I think it's probably partly due to the position that he plays on the field. He's a number eight, so he's never going to be as spectacular as a, a Will Jordan or a Bowden Barrett or a centre three-quarter or, or a back. Um, mm. You know, he's buried in that uh, tight five for most of the match. Um, and, you know, we don't probably see a lot of the fantastic work that he does. And so he kind of gets overlooked a bit when it comes to awards like this, but I, I couldn't imagine it would be bothering him greatly. Yeah, that's a fair shout indeed. And, Mike, All Blacks, they take on England Sunday morning. Do you like the team that's been named for that, and, and what do we need to see from these guys? Yeah, I mostly like the team. I, I don't think Cody Taylor should be starting. I, I'm not sure what that's about. This, this is the big test, right? This, when we mm. start next season, we will remember what the last test result was. So this is really, really important test for Ian Foster and the team. So they should be running out the very best 15 that they can. And and for me, Toke Aho absolutely has to be the starting hooker. But what we can see is that Barrett playing six means that they, they want to ready themselves for a physical approach from from England, but I do feel like that bench is a little bit vulnerable. Um, and just one injury is going to wind up with, with a massive reshuffle in the back line. So if uh, Moonga goes down, they're going to have to move Barrett to first five, Geordie Barrett back to fullback, which is a shame because he's made such strides at second yeah. five, and that's, I think, where his future is, and then bring in one of two midfielders that are on the bench. So uh, I don't think they've got the balance quite right there, and it feels like they're tinkering, and I don't want to see tinkering in the last test of the year. Yeah, that's, that is fair to say. It hasn't, it's, it's been a bit of a disappointing year as well for the All Blacks. Should New Zealand rugby, Mike, should they be doing all they can to try and talk Wayne Smith out of retirement again to try and help these All Blacks out come World Cup year? Honestly, I would. I'd be going to Wayne Smith and saying, what do you want to do, Wayne? Because he has, he's ridden, ridden in on the horse so many times, isn't he? He's, he's a saviour. But it, it seems to me that he is one of those guys that can absolutely build a team. What he did with the Black Ferns was amazing. We knew that they had the talent. Did they have the belief? And it turned out they did. But they didn't have it until he arrived. And belief is what this All Blacks team is going to need going into that World Cup next year. Yeah, and uh, how about yourself, Mike? How do you? How do? You, um, sorry, Brendan. How do you see this last test playing out for the uh, for the All Blacks? Uh, well, some have said it's going to define the season. I suppose if they get badly beaten, it will uh, certainly bring the hammer down on the uh, All Black performances in 2022. I mean, they've won their last six test matches. You know, and it's a pretty good cross section of teams that they've beaten: South Africa, Australia, uh, Wales, Scotland, someone else, and Japan in there as well. So they have finish the season, uh, not quite, but they are finishing the season in far better form uh, than they showed at the start of the year when they stumbled against Ireland and Argentina. So um, uh, I would probably expect them to win. Uh, I think they've gone back basically to the side that ran in 55 points against uh, Wales uh, and, yes, established, and I think earlier established Barrett at, at second 5'8", Geordie, um, Retallick's back. Yes, it's a bit of a mystery as to what's going on with uh, Cody Taylor and uh, Tokiaho. Um, I can only think that when they look at this English team that has been chosen, it reeks of experience and wiliness and cunning and maybe Taylor is sort of cut from that cloth more so than Tokiaho um, but you know it's yeah it's it's an odd one for me because he's been I think the player of the year hasn't he in, in New Zealand rugby mm. um, and uh, probably will get that award I imagine or him or um, uh, uh, Savia, Adi Savia but um, 
Yeah, I, there's two teams I I love us when we beat. I love it when we beat um, England, particularly in rugby uh, and Australia in cricket. And we've beaten the Aussies in cricket a few weeks ago. And I just hope we can finish the year with a victory against the Palms. Um, as for Wayne Smith, no, I'm, I, I don't think he should come back in. I think uh, you know perception is reality in, in international sport. And if we brought Wayne Smith in again now, the rest of the rugby playing world would say, ah. Panic has set in in New Zealand rugby. How many different coaches and selectors have they gone through in this year in the 12 months prior to the Rugby World Cup? And here they go again, dumping someone and bringing Wayne Smith in. And I think that would be sending a very bad signal to the rest of the rugby world that we are in panic mode here in New Zealand. We haven't got enough kind of intellectual heavyweights to get this all-black side through to a successful World Cup campaign. So what he's done was fantastic. I think he, yeah, he won the whole big uh, coach of the year. Um, and it's a fitting sort of climax to an extraordinary career as a coach and a lovely guy as well. But um, no, I, I, I mean, if we'd lost most of those last six test matches, there might have been a case for some more changes. But I think the All Blacks are starting to, starting to show a more settled look about it. And uh, they've brought some key, made some key changes and I think they're working. Let's, let's leave it at that. Yeah, some interesting points you raised there. And to be fair, I think Wayne Smith's probably earned the chance to just put his feet up and, and enjoy the beach yep. life, that's for sure. But there's there's plenty of other sport going on as well. FIFA World Cup, that gets started in Qatar next week. Are you interested, Mike? Has, has it managed to, to capture your imagination? And, and have you got a pick to win it? Boy, this, this tournament is desperate for some football, isn't it? The, so mm. far, the PR has been awful day after day after day. That They desperately need some games to start. Interested, always interested. Every four years when the World Cup rolls around, um, probably hard to go past France. Um, although I am a big fan of Belgium, so I'm kind of hoping that they get there this time around. They always seem to do what the Netherlands did or Holland did in the years before, get close but not close enough. Uh, but I think if I'm punting on it, I would be backing France. Like it, yeah. There's been a few things that have turned me off this this World Cup a little bit being held in Qatar. But I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for for the Netherlands. But uh, Brendan, have have you got a favourite? Have you got a team you'll be rooting for? Uh, yeah, I've lost a bit of interest in it. I, I, I enjoy the Football World Cup because of the quality of the football, and I'm sure once the football starts and uh, I start watching it regularly, um, I'll probably become a or warm to it more. But you know, I saw this thing on BBC Television last night on the news programs uh, last evening, which pulled together all these controversies and scandals that have um, dogged Qatar, or Qatar, I think as it's called now, um, since it was awarded the Games in 2010. So it's been 12 years of human rights abuse, of political scandals, of bribery allegations. And last night on this program, uh, the BBC claimed, and I couldn't imagine they'd be saying this unless they were absolutely sure of their facts, that thousands, I repeat, might have even been put a figure on it, 10,000, certainly thousands of migrant workers have been killed in the construction of these stadiums around Qatar. And I had another look this morning online. I was thinking, what if I can verify that? And Guardian newspaper a couple of years ago was saying 6,500 migrant workers, mm. mostly from uh, Southeast Asia, from places like Nepal and Bangladesh and India and, and, and those countries, had lost their lives 
Um, and some of the treatment they, these workers are receiving was just appalling. They had their passports taken off them. Uh, some of them claimed they were never paid and they couldn't get out of the country because they couldn't get hold of their passports unless they find, uh, signed false statements. And then there's the allegations about it. And then Blatter himself came out a couple of days ago and said, oh, yeah, we shouldn't have awarded the World Cup to <laughs> Qatar. So it's just been... Uh, one scandal after another for 10 or 12 years, and I think it will go down as uh, one of the worst World Cups in that sense. Uh, can it be rescued by the calibre of the football? Probably it can. Um, uh, for reasons which I've never fully been able to understand, um, I've always backed England in football World Cups, and um, I probably will do the same again, even though I've just said how much I enjoy seeing England get yeah. beaten in rugby. But... Um, and I don't have any English blood in me. Well, I'm, I'm Scottish more than English, but I just have a soft spot for English. I suppose it's because I follow English football, you know, the premiership. And so mm. I naturally sort of kind of go across to the, the national side when it comes to the World Cup. But if you have a look at the world rankings at the moment, Brazil is one, Belgium is two, uh, Argentina is three, France is four, and England's five. Uh, so Italy, Spain, and Germany, not in the top five in the world. So, yeah, I think maybe it's one of those top five. Maybe England. Maybe it'll be England's time for the for, for chance for the first time since 1966. Um, but, yeah, uh, Belgium, yeah, I think Mike's probably a good pick. They're second, ranked second country in the world at the moment. So they should be there at the business end for sure. I'm sure there's a lot of Englishmen that will be hoping that uh, it does go the way of the English this time around FIFA World Cup. Last question for you both. The Kiwi Ferns, they're into the final Sunday morning 2.15. They're taking on the Jillaroos. Can they? Can't they? Mike, what do you think? I think they can. I think they'll take a lot from that pool match that they had where they went down 10-8. And really, it should have been 10 all. It was a, a conversion that uh, the kicker would have made nine times out of 10. Um, mm. I think their coach, Ricky Henry, is on the money when he says that their road to the finals probably being more ideal with a, a tough win over England last weekend as opposed to an 82-0 romp that uh, the Jillaroos had over Papua New Guinea. They, they look to me like they are a match-hardened team that will be up to the occasion. I don't think they're going to be spooked by it. Uh, and as long as it stays tight, they will be in the fight. So um, I think they can. They won't be favourites, but uh, I don't think they'll be too far off. Like it, Brendan? Uh, yeah, I, I think I tend to go along with that as well. Uh, I think we've got an alternative this weekend anyway. Um, Lydia Ko, a New Zealand uh, golfer, is in line for a $3.2 million paycheck if she wins the end-of-season finale. And she's leading at the end of the first round today after having shot 65. And so, again, as an, an example of what you were referring to before, Frankie, of what's happening to women's sport, which is fantastic. And uh, here we are. I would never have thought I would have seen the day when a, a women's golf tournament uh, awards 3.25 million, it's 2 million US, but in our money, 3.2 million New Zealand dollars for first place in a golf tournament. So things are really changing, and I'm good to see, it's good to see that it's been backed up in many cases with some serious money flowing into women's sport as well, which is one area where they have been severely neglected and disadvantaged for a long time, but even that's changing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm listening to that, I think I might have picked the picked the wrong sport to invest in. But no, uh, I love Absolutely. to hear it. Love what you've yeah. both had to say. Uh, and unfortunately, that's that's all we've got time for today. So thanks to you both, Mike Thorpe, Brendan Telfer. Appreciate your time as always, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Cheers, Frankie. Yeah, thank you, that's guys. It. Cheers.
that's it for another Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Do check out the podcast on Spotify as well, Canterbury Sports Corner. Every now and again, there'll be some bonus content on there, so do check it out. Time for me to go and chase a little leather ball around. Have a great weekend, a great week. Catch you back here next Saturday morning, and go the Kiwi Ferns. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.